you to turn to the, to the gospel, to the book of Genesis. It's not a gospel. Turn to the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the Bible. It is the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. And, and turn to chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40 this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 40 contains another part of the story, the true story of the man named Joseph. Uh, he's a man that we have called the dreamer. We call him the dreamer, this man. He's not the New Testament Joseph, he's the Old Testament Joseph. All the other Josephs that followed were named after this man, this man of God whose story we've seen week after week in the last couple of weeks. We call him the dreamer because at age 17, God gave him a dream. He gave him a small glimpse into his future. In that small glimpse into his future through two dreams, he, 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 didn't, know, he didn't know many of the details, only that his brothers and his parents would, would bow down to him someday. That's all he saw. He, he did not understand. There was no explanation of how long it would take. No explanation of where it would happen or what it would take to make that dream a reality. But God gave him a dream. And, and if you know Joseph's story, and, and if you've been here in recent weeks, you know it better and better. If you know Joseph's story, we have studied in recent weeks how these were Joseph's pre-ruler days. No, I'm not giving away a whole lot. We're going to see in coming weeks, should the Lord not yet return and give us life, uh, we're going to see how these were the days before he was well-known, before he was a ruler, before he was in a place of power and influence. But Joseph, Joseph only knew these days as <laughs> some hard days, some prison days that really had no end. A couple of weeks ago, we had up a, a timeline of his life, and we know this, that having received that vision from God, that dream from God at age 17, we know that for the next 13 years, he was either a slave in someone's house or he was a prisoner in the king's prison. 13 years is a very long time. He did not know when those days were going to end. He didn't know how all of the things that were going to happen to him, but I'm pretty sure that Joseph did not know these as his pre-ruler days. He simply knew them as days without end. And we've also seen, as we've kind of walked through this journey of Joseph's, how Joseph could have given up on the dream. Right? God gave him the dream, but there were a number of times where he could have given up on the dream. He could, have, he could have surrendered it to bitterness at the brothers who sold him off into slavery or bitterness towards the man who allowed him to be imprisoned or bitterness towards the, the woman who tried to seduce him. He could, have, he could have surrendered the dream for a little bit of pleasure in the short term but death in the long term. He, he could have, he, the dream could have died at any one of those moments. He could have been overwhelmed by discouragement and essentially said, what's the use? Why even pursue the dream? 
Think of it. Year after year, as it gets longer, it seemed probably at times that the dream was just even more and more distant. Elusive. How how am I going to get there? How is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And yet, time and again, as we've seen in Joseph's story, uh, with God's strength and, and the promise of the dream, he held on. This is God's man. This is a man who had, who had given himself to God's will, and again and again he held on so many different times where he could have taken the, 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 the off exit, if you will, the off ramp from the dream. He, he, he could have separated himself from it at any point, but he did not. He held on because of God's strength and because of the promise of the dream. We're going to look, continue to look at his story this morning, but, but perhaps... Perhaps in these recent weeks, there have been times when you also have looked at your own life and realized that God has given you some dreams. God has spoken some things to some of you, and and he's put some things into your heart, a burden, a calling, a a desire. And and it's not just about you, it involves other people. He's put something into your heart that you want to see accomplished or that you want to become for his glory. Many of you have God-given dreams, and perhaps also in these weeks, you recognize that there have been opportunities in your life when the dream can die inside of you. Some of you perhaps in recent weeks have have recognized that, yeah, maybe there's some kind of a sin that is very strong, the temptation is very strong, but you know, you know deep down inside of you because the Spirit of God has spoken to you through His Word that should you give in to that, the dream will die. And you've held on. Some of you have been almost overwhelmed by discouragement. Perhaps even in just the last couple of weeks, something has happened, some kind of a disappointment. Something has, has broken you a little bit inside and, and you're tempted to give, you've been tempted to give in to discouragement, but you didn't because you knew that if you did, the dream would die. You see, God gives dreams to people, but the enemy also wants to destroy your dreams. I want you to understand that. One of the best known statements in the Bible, Jesus said Satan comes to steal and kill. He said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. Satan comes to steal and kill and to destroy. Satan wants to steal your dream. He wants to kill your dream. He wants to destroy your dream. And he wants to destroy you in the process. So understand that God gives dreams and Satan wants to kill them. By the way, the rest part of that verse, Jesus said, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that more abundantly. I don't want to just talk about the first one, but also the second. But God gives dreams, and Satan wants to destroy them. In last Sunday's message, one week ago right now, in last Sunday's message, we learned how two other men were imprisoned with Joseph. We won't tell their whole story, but here it is in brief. Former servants of the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, one, was, one had been the, the uh, baker to the king, to the Pharaoh, and one had been the cupbearer, or kind of like the butler to the, to the king. The, the guy who tasted his wine, made sure that it wasn't poisoned. The one who made the bread and made sure, uh, and the food, and made sure that it also wasn't poisoned. These were people in trusted positions. We don't know the backstory somehow. 
excuse me, for some reason they had been incarcerated as well. They were put into the same prison as Joseph. Listen, God has a plan and it involves other people and God brought them together. They're in prison with Joseph and one night both of those men, the cupbearer and the baker, former cupbearer and baker to the king, uh, they both had dreams. They were very perplexing dreams. The next morning they're discussing this with Joseph, their cellmate, And they tell him the dream, and Joseph interprets the dream. He tells them what it meant, the symbolism. He told them what it meant. You see, God not only gave Joseph dreams, but God also gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. He's not only the dreamer, he was also the dream interpreter. And Joseph, the Bible tells us, faithfully interpreted both dreams. He he interpreted the good and the bad. Joseph told the king's former cupbearer, the butler, he told them that his dream meant that in three days he would be restored to his former position. That in just three short days he would go back into the Pharaoh's household and he would be resuming what he had always done or what he had done for a very long time. Now, now, Joseph, he, he, he's, he's a prisoner. He, he, he's getting what every other prisoner gets, and that is a daily ration, I suppose, of food. I'm sure there was no recompense. And Joseph, in interpreting this dream for the cupbearer, expected, neither expected nor received any kind of compensation for what he did. He didn't expect any payment, but in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14 He did, Joseph did say this to the soon-to-be-restored servant of Pharaoh. He said, when all goes well with you, remember me. When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. He tells him what's going to happen. He says, now, in three days, this is going to happen. So when it goes well with you, remember me and get me out of this place. And three days later, just as Joseph had said, just as God had had revealed through this dream, the man was restored. Now, the Bible does not record, in fact, the Bible doesn't record everything that I'd like it to. I'd like some more details on things. The Bible does not record what happened the day after the cupbearer was restored to Pharaoh's palace. But I think it went something like this. I think it went something like this. Just yesterday, Joseph's thinking to himself, just yesterday, the cupbearer cleared out his cell and he spent his first night back in Pharaoh's palace. And Joseph was thinking, today's the day. And Joseph's looking around his cell and he's thinking, boy, I'm not going to miss this place. (laughs) He's looking across at other cellmates and he's going, I'm not going to miss that guy. (laughs) Maybe Joseph is thinking to himself, boy, today, Tonight, I'm going to eat a good meal for a change. Maybe I'll have a little, man, I'll just go back and be a slave someplace else. But just, uh, but maybe today is the day. But it didn't happen. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say what happened the second day after this cupbearer was restored. But I think it went something like this. Joseph thought to himself, surely today's the day. And then the third day, well, 
He's obviously talked to him now. Today's going to be the day. But day after day goes by. And those, those were some hard days. And then week after week goes by. <laughs> and then month after month goes by. And nothing's happening. There's Joseph. He's got a little nail. And he's scratching something in the wall again. Another X. Another day. Another week. Another month. Days passed. Weeks passed. Months went by. Genesis chapter 40 verse 23 explains why. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. I don't like that verse. Here's Joseph. He does this guy a favor. He encourages him like this man had never been encouraged before. In three days, you're going to get out. Just remember me. Get me out of this place. But right there, last verse of chapter 40, it says, he did not remember Joseph he forgot him. Now let's step away from Genesis chapter 40 for a moment. Let's talk about your chapter right now, the chapter of your life right now. You ever been forgotten? You ever been taken for granted? Have you ever done something for someone and they either turned against you or forgot you? You ever been in any way kind of like what Joseph was going through where you, 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 you had great anticipation that somebody was going to help you, that you had helped, but they forgot you? You know, we look at these people in the Old Testament, we kind of see them with stained glass eyes, like, you know, they had these wonderful lives, but they didn't. They, they faced some of these challenges, and here's Joseph, and he's, he's wondering day after day, week, month after month, did he forget me? In chapter 40, verse 23 says he did. Now that last verse in, verse in chapter 40 is really hard. You see it there before. That's a really hard verse. But the first verse in chapter 41 might be even harder because it begins with these six words, when two full years had passed. It's easy for us to read, it was really hard for Joseph to live. When two full years had passed. If you're counting, that's 730 days. 730 little X's on the wall. 730 days locked in a miserable prison with dreams still unfulfilled. And if you're counting, it wasn't simply two years. Now it had been almost 13 years since the dream was given. And the obvious question is why? The obvious question is why? Why did Joseph endure two more years in that horrible place? Why did he have to go through, endure 730 more days with a dream that is unfulfilled? 
Well, the easy answer, you say, well, it's right there. The guy forgot him, right? That's the easy answer. That, that the cupbearer forgot him. That's the easy answer. But the cupbearer who was the cupbearer who was either incredibly ungrateful or profoundly forgetful was not the one who was directing Joseph's life. Now, now that is actually a very important point. Because you see, we can look at this in the natural and go, he spent two more years there because somebody forgot about him or somebody was ungrateful. But we can't look at it with simply natural eyes. We have to look at it through supernatural eyes. We have to understand that there is a dynamic happening here that is beyond the normal. There is a supernatural element because remember Joseph had submitted himself to the will of Jehovah God. So the easy answer is not somebody forgot him. God was in charge of Joseph's life, not the cupbearer. Here's why this is important. Some of you, perhaps, some of you, perhaps, are looking at some of the delays or disappointments, some of the great challenges in life, and you're blaming someone. You're looking at them and saying, this is, I'm experiencing where I am right now. I'm experiencing this difficult place because someone forgot me or because someone did me wrong or because someone hurt me or because someone fill in the blank. But I want you to understand that if your life has been submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, that person, whoever they were, or persons, whoever they were, are not the Lord of your life. Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. And I think that many times people look around them and they blame that person who did that or that person who forgot that or forgot them or that person who abandoned them and they look at them and they get so hung up on that person that they forget that if they are a follower of Jesus Christ that their life is actually submitted to him and God has greater control than that person. This is very important there's a little saying that I heard years ago that I've since thought of many times. And that is, don't give big control to small people. Now that, that sounds a bit judgmental. No, there are going to be people who are very small in your life. I mean nothing by stature. I mean somebody who's small in spirit. People who hurt you. Don't give those people big control in your life. And I see this often happening where people look back or they look around and they see somebody who has hurt them, wounded them, disappointed them, abandoned them. And for weeks, months, and even years, they fixate upon that person rather than understanding that if you are in Jesus Christ, that he is in charge of your life and he has a plan and it's not just that person's fault. And, and, and the sooner we get to the point where we go, you know, God, is, God has a plan that is beyond what anyone else can do. So don't give, don't give big power to 
people who are small in spirit. God is in control of your life. So what was, ha- what, what was he experiencing? He's experiencing what we call a divine delay. In fact, would you just say that with me because I want you to get divine delay. Say it again. Divine delay. What's a divine delay? A divine delay is, is when God says, I have a different time element than yours. Now, now let me explain very quickly. There are, there are other kinds of delays. There, the, the enemy, Satan, can delay what, what God wants to do in your life. And we see that in the book of Daniel where there was a spiritual element there and a demonic spirit delayed the answer, that can certainly happen. There can also be delays that we, because of our behavior or because of our choices, delays that we experience, that we bring upon ourselves. And a great example of that is in the next book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, excuse me, the book of Exodus, where you see God's people because of doubt and because of unbelief, because of a lack of trust in God, they were delayed for a 40 years going into the promised land. So we can experience a lot of different kinds of delays. Some are, are supernatural. The enemy is, is coming against something and there's a, there's a resistance, uh, a, a delay there. We also see that there can be, but I'm talking about divine delays. I'm talking about those occasions in our life when God says, I'm gonna put you on hold because I have a greater purpose. And you see this throughout Scripture. In fact, in the New Testament, you have someone, a man named Jairus, comes to Jesus. His little girl is dying, very, very ill. She's at the point of death, and he says, would you come to, 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 to heal my little girl? It's my only child. On the way, a woman interrupts Jesus. She's a woman who had been sick for 12 years. She touches him. He stops. And because of that delay, the, the man who first was bringing Jesus, his little girl dies. You go, what, what's with that? Listen, Jesus still had a plan. That was a divine delay. Or, or how about the time when, when another guy was very sick, his name was Lazarus. And, and word was sent to Jesus to come, Lazarus is very sick. And Jesus chooses not to go, and Laz- in the meantime, Lazarus dies. And when he gets there, to the home of the dead man, his sisters are hacked off. Why didn't you come? Jesus had another plan. And out of that came one of the greatest miracles in all of the New Testament. It was a divine delay. There are divine delays that we can experience because God says, I have a greater plan, I have a different timeline than what you want. This was a divine delay. And this divine delay happened for two reasons. First of all, God was further preparing the dreamer. You're writing notes, write that down. God was further preparing the dreamer. There were apparently more ways that God wanted to shape Joseph in those two years. God was still preparing Joseph, and he used more time in a difficult place to do so. I don't know what the difference, some of you are bakers, I don't know what the difference in time is between baked and half-baked other than time. And God was saying, I'm not done with you in the oven or in this case, the prison. God was still preparing him and using more time in a difficult place to do so. There's a theme that runs throughout Joseph's story and it happens again in these verses and that is how God shapes people 
in challenging times and in difficult places. Let me say that again. A theme that runs throughout the story of Joseph is that God uses and God prepares his people through challenging circumstances and difficult times. Ted Engstrom was, he passed away several years ago, Ted Engstrom was the founder of uh, Youth for Christ, a great Christian leader in his day. Engstrom made a, a, a statement, uh, actually he wrote it down, he, he made an interesting observation about select persons throughout history whose uh, character, whose, whose foundation, whose, whose usefulness were shaped through great difficulty. He wrote this, if you lock him in a prison cell, you have a John Bunyan. John Bunyan, by the way, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. If you bury him in the snows of Valley Forge, you have a George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with polio and he becomes Franklin Roosevelt. Deafen him and you have a Ludwig von Beethoven. Have him or her born black in a society that is filled with racial discrimination and you have a Booker T. Washington, a Marian Anderson, a George Washington Carver. Call him a slow learner. Write him off as uneducable and you have an Albert Einstein. The, the those, those well-known persons from history, the challenges those persons endured had perhaps an even greater effect upon them than the opportunities that were later placed before them. You know, we look at these great people who were tremendously influential in one area, one way or another, and we forget the hardship and the difficulty that they endured that shaped them and prepared them for the things that they would later lead. And we don't like that. Oh, we like them and we like their stories, but we don't like it when it's us. You see, we have this aversion towards discomfort. We have this aversion towards pain. We have an aversion towards difficulty. And yet God chooses to use challenging times and difficult places to shape us and prepare us to influence people around us. Perhaps you're wondering, perhaps you, perhaps you are wondering why your God-given dream is delayed. Perhaps you're wondering, why is it taking so long? Perhaps you're wondering, when is it going to happen? I know God told me. I know God spoke to me. I know that he has this for me in my future. And you're wondering why it's taking so long. Gave you a glimpse of what you will be or what you will do, but with each passing week or month or even year, it seems like Joseph. It just seems so elusive. The dream might even seem more impossible than ever. But it may be, it may be, hear me on this, it may be a divine delay so that God can further shape you. You're not done cooking yet. He still has you on the, mixing metaphors here, he still has you on the anvil and there's still some rough edges that need to be taken off. There's still some things that he's, pounding out of you, and he's using difficult places and long times.
times to do it. Boy, that's a, that's a message we don't like to hear, but that's reality. He's doing it to prepare you for the dream. God can say yes. God can say no. You've heard this before. God can say yes. He can say no. Or he can say wait. So don't mistake God's delays for God's denials. Do not mistake God's delays for God's denials. Just because he says wait does not mean he says no. And it certainly doesn't mean he says yes. I said that there were, there were two reasons for Joseph's divine delay. Again, God was preparing the dreamer, but God was also preparing others who would be a part of the dream. And this is what we often overlook. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a, the first response is, well, somebody forgot him. No, that's not it. And the other reason for the delay is, is that, 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 that God is preparing the dreamer. Get that. But we often don't look at the other part, and that is that God is getting someone else ready. God is shaping someone else for the dream. Something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, that, that the dreams that God gives us, one of the ways that you can identify them is that it's not all about you. If God gives you a dream, it's to affect someone else's life. It, it, it's to be a, a person of influence to a, a person or a, a group of people. God-given dreams are not about you, it's about many. That's what his dreams are all about. And, uh, and we forget sometimes that maybe God is getting them ready. here Without, without giving it away, although you probably know the story, there, there was a timeline here. God was also getting a man named Pharaoh ready or a, a, a king, a, a, a title. That was his title, not his name. He was getting, he was getting a, a, a king ready. God was working on some brothers and some family members back home, back up in Canaan. He was getting them ready. And, and God wasn't working just on one person's life. He was working on someone else's life. You see, sometimes we get down on ourselves and we go, what's the matter with me? Why is it God gave me the dream and I'm just waiting and I'm waiting, I'm checking the watch and I'm watching the time and I'm wondering how long is it going to be, how long is it going to take and it just seems like it's just going on and on and on. What is the matter with me? What is it that I don't get? Well, God's still working on you, but maybe he's working on someone else. I I was having this discussion with someone else the other day. Uh, God put it in my heart. I, I, I mentioned several weeks ago that I, God, about seven different times, God put something in my heart, and I knew that it was a God-given dream. One of those was that I would be married someday. And, and do you know that I, for a while there, all my friends were dropping like flies. I mean, they were getting married, um, and, and, they, and they were all getting married, and I was thinking, you know, when's it going to happen to me? When's it going to happen to me? But some of you may know this. I'm five years older than Joni. God was preparing me, but God had to grow her up. Right? Because if I'd have married her at, at, at age, if I would, you know, if I would have married her at age 22, she'd still be in high school, and that that would not look good. And that's just one small example. 
It wasn't that there was something wrong with me. Though God was preparing me, he was preparing someone else for the dream. Some of you, the dream has not happened, whatever it might be. The dream has not happened because he's not only getting you ready, but he's getting them ready. And at some wonderful time, God is going to not only have the, the, the master planner, and he is a master planner, just look at this universe, it is a master plan. The master planner, though we can't see all the pieces, the master planner is while he's preparing you, he's also preparing them, or he's preparing this group, or he's preparing this place, or he's preparing this person. He's doing some kind of preparation. God's preparing the the dreamer, but God's also preparing others who are going to be a part of the dream. God has a great plan. He has a great plan. Listen, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. God has a plan for your life. It involves other people. God is getting you ready for them, and he's getting them ready for you. And learning to trust in God's timing is one of the most important elements in being a follower of Jesus Christ. If you have been serving Jesus Christ for a matter of days, weeks, months, or years, we need to learn and and we need to relearn to trust in God's timing. This is basic, I know, but somebody here needs to hear this. God's timing is often not going to be your timing. In fact, more often than not, it's not going to be your timing. Because our timing is now. God's timing is wait. God's timing is I'm preparing. God's timing is the ways in which I'm going to use you are going to be so important that I have to prepare you in even greater ways. The structure is going to be so high that he has to put the footing so deep. Learning to trust in God's timing is one of the most important elements in being a follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and it's not just, you didn't just surrender your life to him and become saved. He desires you to become a disciple. Not one of the original 12, but he desires to become, you to become a close follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And learning to trust in God's timing and say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't, know what, I don't know all the things that you want to shape in me or all the things that you're shaping in them, but I trust you. I trust you. So help me while I wait for your plan. There's one more verse that I want to... Sh- I want you to see in closing this morning. If you have, and again, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. It's in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10 is very interesting. The book of Hebrews was written to, to Jewish Christians, and it, it involves a lot of Old Testament references. In Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to turn there so you can mark it, especially if you have a paper a paper Bible, Um, I want you to turn there so you can mark it because if God has given you a dream and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, if God, let me qualify this, if God has given you a dream and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 is for you. It says this, 
you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to persevere. Another translation says endure. You need to persevere so that when, when involves time, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I'm going to paraphrase that just a little bit. With your God-given dream, you need to persevere so that when God, when you have done, when you are done being shaped in the way that God wants you to be shaped, and when God is finished preparing others who will be a part of the dream, then you will then experience the dream that he has promised you. You have need of perseverance. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I want you to mark that down. I want you to write it down. I want you to post it. I want you to maybe just above that put my dream dot, 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 I need to persevere so that when I have done the will of God, I will receive what he has promised. Make it personal. This morning, as with these other mornings in this series, I am trusting that God will not only speak dreams to you, give dreams to you, but that he will encourage you in his God-given dreams for you. This morning, I want to pray with you. Would you stay across this room? Would you please stand? We've come to a very, very important time. In just a moment, in just a moment, these altars are going to be open, and I want you to know that anyone can come for any amount of time, and you can gather around these altars, and this is where, and you can just turn this whole area up front into a place of prayer, into a prayer altar, and and that can be a very powerful time. So some of you may just be prompted right now to in, in in a few moments at the close of this service come down. So these altars are open if you want to have somebody pray with you, then you go ahead and grab them. Just grab anyone and just say, all right, you come and pray with me. You can do that. This is very, very important. And by the way, if there's someone praying up here, please, if you would hold some of your conversation towards the back of the building or into the floor or other parts, it's a beautiful day out there. We'll go outside, but, but this, this place, place of prayer. But I want to pray with you right where you're standing. Right where you're standing. We'll pray for you that God will encourage you in your dream. In, excuse me, in his dream for you. Qualified, his dream for you. Would you bow your heads, please? Now, Lord, we thank you for this time and I thank you for these people. I thank you for what you've accomplished already in people's lives. I thank you for speaking to us again through your word. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who have been waiting a long time for the dream to come to pass. The God-given dream, it's not about them, it's about you, it's about others. But I pray, Lord Jesus, for my brothers and for my sisters that they will persevere so that when they have done the will of God and when your will has been accomplished in them and in in others, that they will receive all that you have promised them. I pray, Lord Jesus, for the dreamers, 
I pray, Lord Jesus, for the dreamers here today. Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, as some gather around these altars, meet with them as others leave this place and fellowship and minister in other places, I pray that you'd bless them. I pray, Lord, that in greater and in greater ways, you would help us love you. You're calling us, you called us to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Lord, I pray that we would love you. And I pray that we would love others, loving them as we love ourselves. And I pray that we would continue in multiple ways to accomplish your great commission, that we would share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost people around us. For Lord, there is hope in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. It's in you alone. Help us to love you, love others, and share Jesus Christ. We pray these things, and I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you richly this morning. Go in the power and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ.